Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. That is such an unnecessary delay. I don't care what you say. It's, okay. it's like we were having sound problems. I'm going to introduce myself however I want. You know, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. Freedom, <laughs> All the freedom to you. <laughs> this is a podcast where two nerdy guys brew themselves a nice hot cup of coffee and they're sitting down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of our favorite comic books. The coffee... Are we, are we sitting down to do this? Have we ever stood up? <laughs> I, I, I was planning how, on standing up today. How, how awkward... <laughs> Would the recording be for us to just stand there and just, just stare at each other standing? Well, my legs would get tired. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like two hours just standing. <laughs> <laughs> we never go two hours. Well, I guess the process. Yeah, the process. <laughs> the process. Yeah. Two-hour process. Where am I? <laughs> Where am I right now? Uh, oh, okay. The coffee we'll be brewing today. Uh, it's called Clementina Ocupa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's roasted by Bows and Arrows Coffee Roaster. Okay. Uh, and the comics we'll be discussing today are Justice League 2 and Gideon Falls 4. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, if you like this show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes and Google Play and also Spotify now. What? We just got on Spotify, so whoop whoop. Uh, so alongside we're hitting that subscribe button if you got a few minutes to spare please leave us a review and a rating and make sure to tell your friends about this podcast now before we go and brew that coffee before we brew that Clementina Ocupa I think okay let's catch up on the week uh, how you, how, how's your uh, last week been <laughs> what happened what, what been, was that? you threw me off this entire thing so now like now no. I just I just can't think properly. Nah, you're fine. You just got this whole thing just all jumbled. It's a hot do, mess. I didn't do nothing. Oh man, I didn't do nothing. I'm all jumbled up. What did I do this week? Um, what did you do, Victor? I've been trying to catch up on a couple of TV shows. Okay. Uh, I caught up on The Flash. Not quite as exciting this. What is it, season year. four right now? Season right? four, yeah. I haven't watched season three. Really? Yeah. Uh, season the first three seasons I think were pretty good. The first season. Was the best I like the first season the best out yeah. of the two that I watched. I like yeah. first season the best. Season four was kind of just eh. You know what I mean? Like it's. Is it a little aimless right now? A little sorry. Aimless. I wouldn't say aimless. Like because I've read like the reviews to keep caught up. Yeah. Like, just you know because sometimes I may not have the chance to watch it. Yeah. So I've been reading the reviews at least to see what's going on. Yeah. It seems like there's not that clear direction like they did back in season one. Yeah, I'm not. <sighs> It's because Barry as a speedster is pretty developed at this point, right? Okay. So, you know, the first two, even the third season was him just trying to become better and faster as a superhero. But now that he's... Is he just like super fast now? He's he's fast and and he's a, a, a good superhero now. So now it's just a matter of how do we further develop these characters... Hmm moving into other seasons right and right. i think that's what they're trying to figure out right now but it just seems very you know what yeah you know what? i feel like aimless is probably the right word okay uh they they got the thinker on in season four right um and he was uh or is was a good villain but now it's just like what what do you what do you go from there now do you right. know what i mean okay. like is it just gonna be another full season of another villain 
they defeat the villain and then that's just the end of the season you know what i mean like obviously you want to see some continuity from season to season right right yeah and i feel like season four was the most far removed from the rest of the series okay right fair enough um i'm trying to decide whether or not i want to give up on the walking dead oh i gave up on that yeah like four seasons ago i gave up (laughs) (laughs) i gave up on that like three episodes into the eighth season oh you got pretty far (laughs) yeah and then i'll just like do i do i want to keep going that show makes no sense because that show makes no sense to me you got it well suspend your belief for a second no no i mean like well i read the comics so i've already suspend like suspended my belief on it yeah but like there's no reason a 12 issue arc in the comics takes three years to develop well there's no reason well, if the, well, because you have to also consider the fact that if they developed it at a pace that we would consider to be good, the sh- <laughs> they would have no material. No, but just branch off. They're already branching off now, anyways. Yeah, they're but, about to go into pretty uncharted territory. So yeah, if they were going to do that from the get, like they were going to just do that. Well, there's, why go there's three seasons for there's it? basic arcs, right? You, you, I mean, you're reading the comics, so you know yeah. what arcs are to follow. So they're following the basic arc, and then they just make whatever changes they want to make, right? Right. So I don't know. I mean, let's not go too much into it uh, for like spoiler wise. Yeah. In case the people haven't caught up, but yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, they they make some pretty drastic changes. That is just like uh, oh, there's some huge. Changes. Well, I guess like uh, so. but they're still trying to follow. <clears throat> the uh the basic storyline of the comics but again if they followed it at a pace mm-hmm. that we would deem to be good then I mean, they, they would just run out of material in like yeah a year but instead of running out of material now i just stop watching amen yeah you gotta keep gotta keep the fans happy well i'm not happy so i stopped yeah watching. neither am i yeah so i'm just yeah i'm just trying to figure out if i want to even catch up with, for the rest of season eight or not there's yeah. a lot of history between me and The Walking Dead. You know, that's, yeah, I know. that's, that's like, eight years, man. I, I think back to season one and two, and I'm just like, uh, I kind of want to catch up because it's so good. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's just too many things have changed. The, yeah, the only show that I've watched longer than The Walking Dead is is Smallville. And I watched that from the first season all the way to the 10th season. Mm. Oh, Tom Willing. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jerry? What have you been up to this week? So I took your suggestion. From last week, did you? Uh, I went and played a bunch of Dokken Battle. Oh, Mamma Mia! Dragon Ball Z Dokken Battle. <laughs> it is fun. It is. It fun. is fun. It is addictive. It's it is. Addictive. Uh, I just, uh, just that feeling. That feeling when you're summoning new characters, and then you just come and come into the what is that? The moon, and then all these characters pop out, and you're just like the moon is a lot closer than I thought it was yeah yeah (laughs) unless that beam was just like really fast but (laughs) who knows but yeah like it's just it's so it's addictive it's addictive and there's so many things you can do with that and uh, I mean like whatever the the storyline the quest is whatever yeah, oh yeah, I don't. I, whenever there's cutscenes, I just skip it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm more into the collecting. But, yeah, the, the collecting part is fun. The collecting part is really fun, and uh, just you know, hunting things down and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I've been enjoying it. It's been really fun. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just hoping it becomes a little bit easier to get the stones. Well, not so much easier. I guess it hasn't been super hard because I still have quests to do. I just hope it doesn't get to a point where you get to like pretty high level you've run through all your quests and it just becomes hard to get stones well no that because in your, there's multiple levels to your quests right yeah so you can actually yeah. get three stones per quest 
Yeah. And there's a ton of quests. So yeah. I don't know if you'll ever run through it, but yeah, I mean, I, know, I think if, point, if you get that's... if you get Dragonstone's easier, that also defeats the purpose of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then you're just cracking packs, right? Which is fine. I guess. just want to sit there and crack packs, Victor. That's what I want to do. Just want to crack the pack. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's basically that's basically that. Fair um, enough. But uh, yeah, so I mean, why don't we go brew that coffee, and then we'll come back. I was actually just gonna leave and, without uh, you to, uh, oh to make the coffee. Oh yeah. Oh, you're just gonna get it to go. No, I was just, I was literally <laughs> just gonna get up and let you ramble on and then go get the coffee. Oh. Well, ladies and gentlemen. It's coffee time. It's coffee time. Okay. And welcome to our coffee segment where we try one of the coffees that are sent into us and have it accompany us throughout our comics discussion. During okay. this segment, we'll be try wow. During this segment, We'll be trying to identify all of the different fragrance and flavor notes yep. and see how what well we did compared to the notes provided to us. Sounds good. Today, we have a coffee from Cayamara Marca, uh -huh. why I'm butchering these names, <laughs> Peru, called Clementina Occupa, and it's been roasted by Bows and Arrows Coffee Roasters out in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh huh. As per usual, yep. Jerry, Okay. why don't you start us off with a little bit of a sniff sniff? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Wow. Way to just ruin my segue. You actually held that together pretty well. Of course I did. Quite it's, impressed. It's right in front of me. I'm just reading it. <laughs> <laughs> I could just ignore you and read. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is an interesting one. Okay. There's a, there's a hint of... I think there's a little bit of a hint... Of tanginess okay so it's I want to say tangerine but it's not it won't have that like citrusy like it's not as citrusy yeah as I'm making it sound like to be but yeah. like it's got a little bit of tanginess okay yeah and then I'm also getting a little bit of a peach a like peach. I'm, I'm trying to like hone in on the type of fruit it is so I'm getting a little bit of peach which is why I don't think it's as citrusy as I'm making it to be okay so that's kind of what I'm getting. And not a lot of earthy tones this time around. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's very much fruity to me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? Give it a try, Victor. Sure. I am getting a... Uh, like a bit of chocolate. Okay. Coco's back. Coco's back. There is a... <laughs> there is a um, there is an orange smell to it. Like a more mature orange. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and maybe... Maybe some cranberry. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. Orange, cranberry, and, and chocolate? Chocolat. Well, here we go. Let's go see if we... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't taste it yet. <laughs> go ahead. Take the first sip. All right. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Okay, that's interesting. The tangy, the tanginess is not as 
dominant now, but okay. it's still kind of there. Um, I'm actually gonna say that that peach mm-hmm. is kind of hanging around. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a bit of that. Not so much chocolate. That I'm not getting this time around. Mm. Um, but you know, like. I still kind of think the orange is there, but it's very hidden. It's like a very subtle undertone in the background. Okay. So it's not really providing that citrusy punch. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with peach on that one. I feel relatively safe with cool. that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Peach. All right. I'm going to go for a sip now. Go for I'm it. not even going to wait for your permission. You can take the sip now. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Hmm. It's a lot more bitter than I imagined it to be. Right? A little bit. Whatever that sweetness I had, it, it's kind—it's it's it's kind of fading. Yeah. I can't taste anything that I just named. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. T- There's something creamy uh, about it. It's eluding me. Hmm. There's something creamy about it. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe there's like a hint of vanilla. I but, apologize to all the listeners that just hear me just just swash, slosh, swashing, <laughs> just slurping away at this thing. It's crazy how much these these flavor notes are eluding me right now. It, I've never like I've never had it this bad. <laughs> if you can be here right now, you should see the struggle that he's having to come up with what these are. <laughs> I'm panicking. And you should right now. see his face. <laughs> And you should see the amount of coffee he's downing right now just to get a flavor note. This is insane. I've never seen him drink this much to get to one note. I almost choked on that one. He almost choked on that one, ladies and gentlemen. He's mm. he's okay. doing it for the cast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um Yeah. That citrus that citrusiness is still there. Right. Um, it's a really small hint of orange. Okay. Really tiny. Um, the whole cup is going to be gone. I'm not tasting peach or creamy. To no? be honest with you, no. I'm getting a bit of a creamy in there. Now I'm not tasting the chocolate either. I'm really just getting that slight hit of orange and that's it. Mm. That's all I'm getting. All right. Well, I'm going to go with orange, peach, vanilla. Orange, peach, vanilla? Yeah. I'm just going to go with orange. All right. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. All right. Let's see the reveal. Let's see. Toasted sugar. And stone fruit. What is that? I have no clue what stone fruit is. <laughs> stone fruit? Stone fruit. Okay, hold on. I got to look this thing okay, up. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, Google real, it, please. Okay, real quick. How did you think about this coffee? What do you think about this coffee? Um, it's, it's, all, it's clearly not too intense on the palate. Okay. Like for me, it's very much just like a straight, dark, bitter coffee. That's what it is to me. Like I'm, I'm not getting any perplexities to it. 
Oh my god. What? <laughs> okay. All right. So, on simple.wikipedia.org, okay. <clears throat> a stone fruit, also called a droop, is a fruit with a large stone inside. The stone is sometimes called the seed, but that is a mistake as the seed is inside the stone. The stones can also be called a pit. Examples of stone fruits are peaches, nectarines, plums, lychees, mangoes, and cherries. Well, there you go, buddy. There we go. There you go. My goodness. You got it, man. I'm so proud of myself yeah, right I'm, now. I'm proud of you, too. I'm so proud of myself. I'm just seeing a bunch of pictures of like peaches, too, when I go to images for stone fruit. Good job, man. Yeah, man. Proud of you. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so proud of me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, like overall, it's a decent coffee. Yeah. I think that... Uh, I would say nectarines are... Um, what would you classify nectarine? Nectarines? Nectarine. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's similar to peaches. It's, got, it's like fuzzy. It's similar <laughs> to a peach. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> coffee's actually now it's growing on me. All right, perfect. All right, so well, at least we got one of them. We got peaches, and you had like a little bit of a, I guess, the scent of peaches. I guess you didn't taste the peaches no, much, but I didn't get the scent of peaches either. No, no, I thought you did. Oh, all right. Did I? I don't know. I don't know now. I don't remember. Hmm. It seems like so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> seems like so many minutes ago. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> All right. So, why don't we go and take our brewed coffee and uh, let's go talk a little bit about Justice League and Gideon Falls. Let's do it. And we're at the comic segment. In this segment, what we usually do is we take some of our favorite comic books and we break it down, we analyze it, and we talk about some of the themes that are present in the books. Uh, this week, we have Justice League number two and Gideon Falls number four. Whoa. So, we're going to get started with Justice League number two, as written by Scott Snyder, with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters done by Tom Napolitano. First thing first. What do you think of this issue? It is, uh, it's got a artist change from the first issue. So, what did you think about it? What did you think of the change in style? It works. Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, I did notice the difference, uh, but I, I don't think it was so noticeable. Where it's just like, oh, I, I can't read this. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. I can't read this. <laughs> but it's no, it's it's. I mean, you can't go wrong with Jorge Jimenez, man. Yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong with him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed the artwork. Didn't take away from the story. In fact, it added to it, in my opinion. Yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts on that? I liked it. I liked it. I think it also it also pitches a slightly different tone from the first issue as well. Yes. Well, I felt like the first issue had a bit more of a serious tone to it. Mm-hmm. This is very... This is very much got like a bombastic, cartoony, fun mm-hmm. type thing to it. But... It still got that underlying danger in the back, like lurking in the background. Yeah, there's still like a, a seriousness to it. Yeah, of course. But it's yeah. much more bombastic. It's much more hectic. Uh, the art style is really fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is a more cartoony art style, mm-hmm. but I think it fits the action and the wackiness really, really well. Yeah. Um, and it harkens back to like some of the older Justice League stuff, where it's just like just 
crazy comic booky stuff that's happening. Yeah. It kind of harkens back to that. Mm-hmm. So I did really enjoy the art style change, but I think I think I have a different takeaway from Jorge Jimenez and Jim Chung's previous issue. Like mm-hmm. they both give me something distinctly different. And I think yeah. I enjoy both of that. Of like they they both offer me something very fresh. As every artist does, right? Every yeah, artist will of always course. even if the art style is similar, yeah. they'll offer you something a little different. Yeah, which something always, fresh on the title. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Which would be a little boring if it was just two different <laughs> artists, same art. Couldn't can't tell the difference. It'd be a little boring, but Yeah, pretty much. Um, so before we continue further, uh, just to let you know, there will be spoilers in the podcast as usual. Uh, because of the things that we have to talk about, sometimes we're going to have to talk about the events that happened in the book. So we're going to have to kind of go into details for some of those stuff. So be warned, there are going to be spoilers. If you have not read the book, go pick it up on the stands. Go to comicsology.com. Do what you need to do. Read this book. And then come back and listen to it. Or if you don't mind spoilers, just listen to us talk yeah. about this book. Okay, you've been warned. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so first things first. What did you think about that Lex Luthor sequence? Yeah, it's so Jokerish, right? It's so Jokerish. I, I, when he did it, I was just like, "This doesn't seem like the Lex that we're that we, used yeah. to." You know what I mean? Yeah. Because this—I mean, if it, if it was the Lex that we know, he wouldn't even bother with that, right? Like he would have found a way to to clear out that that building before he even entered. But he made a he made a pretty big spectacle of it. Yeah. Right, which is such a it's a, it's a Joker thing to do, and that was the first thing that came to my mind when when I read the uh, those couple of pages. Mm-hmm. Right, it was funny. I thought it was funny. Uh, oh, it was funny, yeah. But and then just, watching the guy scramble, yeah, when he puts on the yeah the protective helmet, yeah, yeah, that was funny. But <laughs> uh, but not very Lex Luthor in my opinion. Yeah, a little bit different from the usual Lex, um, and I think a little different from the fact that. We've seen him play sort of a heroish role in the last, like in the last few years. Yeah, he's sort of made that transition, mm-hmm. right? So, I think it's a little for the story. I think it's fine, and if you're trying to strip away like years of continuity to like allow a more fresh jumping on point, yeah, you can. It's understandable for Lex to be doing something like this, yeah. but if you're reading it and you're sort of you're sort of getting the Lex Luthor Superman story or the, or the whatnot and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't really followed action comics as closely. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe the character change has already happened. But just based on the last few years and the sort of the impression that I'm getting from the Lex character, this is a little bit off character, a little bit off brand. Mm-hmm. But I think as a service to the whole story, yeah, it might, it might be serving a greater plot for him. Mm-hmm down the road yeah right it may not be what we're seeing in these pages maybe this is just like sort of little pieces to the puzzle that he's trying to achieve i hope so and this is also a flashback yeah right so that was like a flashback from a few months ago mm-hmm. so it could be something changed along the way yeah but well even moving forward into the issue mm-hmm. like he just he just seems off tilt in my yeah. opinion yeah like he just seems very like his personality seems so much more grand you know what I mean like it's not like a it's not like a mastermind sort of like like thinking a million steps ahead sort of Lex Luthor yeah it's not very meticulous yeah Yeah. like it seems like everything he does seems very off the cuff even though like we know it's not yeah right 
uh, did I use off the cuff correctly? Is that the term? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It seems random. Like it seems. Yeah. Like like obviously he has a plan, and obviously there's there's a end goal to what he's doing. Right. But it just seems very, uh, very un unpredictable for Lex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's the way that I see it. Like as much as I think he does unpredictable things, yeah. For the most part, when you see him do it, it's predictable in his nature. Yeah. Um, and it serves his greater narrative. I think in this particular case, with the thing that he did, it's not. It's it doesn't serve the greater purpose of Lex. I don't think. Right. It doesn't seem like it's something that Lex would do out of just spite or fun. Like yeah. It's not. It's not something within his character, mm-hmm. so I think that's why it's a little. It was a little odd at yeah. first, especially being the opening splash pages of this, like the opening pages of this book. Not so much splash pages, but yeah. the opening sequence. So it does seem a little weird. Couple that with a cartoony looking Lex. Yeah, it just it came off a little odd. But if you take it as like an isolated book, like if you take just this Justice League book on its own, it's fine. Because you do understand that Lex, in his like in his nature, like would do something chaotic. Yeah, like you know, control I mean, but chaotic. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I have no gripes about it. Yeah, but it's just different. Yeah, right. It's just different. absolutely. Yeah. So that was Lex Luthor, and then we go on to learn. Um, we sort of go on to learn about what the league wants John Stewart to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so John Stewart is out there just patrolling guarding blah 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 and uh the league pretty much wants to recruit him yeah uh so something happened on zanshi mm-hmm. this is zanshi yeah uh that basically said basically made john stewart isolate himself from the league isolate himself from the people of earth like yeah. from from the earth's heroes mm-hmm. um so it's they i feel like they they harped on that a little bit um, it would have been nice to get a little bit of a hint about the things that happened on it. Yeah. Especially for the people who may have not read the events leading up to it or reading the other events that may have caused it to happen. Yeah. Um, if you're just following Justice League on its own, it, it seems a little out of character, especially because the last issue, was it the last issue? The last issue, they already had him out out there basically loaded up trying to take out the totality. Yeah. It means he's in sync. Yeah. So it did seem a little weird that he's in this issue so much more isolated. Yeah. One like, issue, just one issue removed. Yeah, because in the first issue, like he would have like a whole artillery just mm-hmm. waiting for this totality to come. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he wasn't in league with the league. Ah. Uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> wow. Jeez. Um. So it wasn't like he he wasn't in on the whole thing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So clearly he knows what's happening. He knows what's at stake. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a complete 180. Yeah. Like in, in issue two, right? Because how did he how did he go from issue one uh, being ready for the totality to going for it, to issue two uh, where he's catching, uh, I forgot, I forgot the that character's name. Uh, I can pull it up. Yeah, pull it up real quick, please. Yeah. Not that it really matters. That guy. 
Yeah, we'll just go with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh Oh, it's gonna bother me. It's going to bother me. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the panel with it, but there's no name. Like you can't see the name. Sure, you can. It's got to be there. They say it in the issue. Okay, but okay, I'll, I'll look for it. You keep going. I'll just give you the name after. Yeah. So, so he's transporting this guy. Greylock. That's his name, Greylock. Oh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so how how do you go from being ready for the totality to all of a sudden isolating himself to to catch Greylock? Right. We're knowing what's at stake and what has landed on Earth. He saw it land on Earth. Yep. Right? He saw it land on Earth. Yeah. Yet, unless there's something we're missing. But see, that's... Because... it's a, Like, this book yeah. is... A bi-weekly book. Yeah. So it's a lot fresher in our heads. Yeah. So that's why the transition is a little more jarring. Because even leading up to that afterwards, after he's talking with Greylock, mm-hmm. Batman explains to him again what the totality is. Yeah. Right? So then I like to me that was such a huge disparity. I'm like, is there like six different John Stewart's in this issue? Like <laughs> <laughs> Like, to me, it made no sense. Yeah. Right? Uh, and understandably, I know what Scott's trying to do with, with the story. Obviously, if you read further into the issue, you know what his plan was for Jon Stewart. Right. But I feel like between issues one and issues two, or even in issue one or the beginning of issue two, there should have been a preface as to how we got from being ready for the totality to cat- to catching Greelock and having no idea what the totality is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that was that was a big one. That, in my that felt a little jarring. And yeah. it was and because and like this is this is why a lot of this stuff is becoming more obvious to us. It's because at the same time there's an artist change. Yeah. So it felt it felt like a very different book. Or a very different characterization of these guys. Right. So it didn't it didn't feel like we're reading the same book. Yeah, I mean, understandable. We know what's happening with the totality, mm-hmm. and for the most part, the league is the same. Yeah, but these little changes in the opening sequences didn't exactly do the book justice. Hey, <laughs> we got stopped. Yeah, we got stopped. <laughs> such nerds. So yeah, it's that that was that was a little off. Yeah. So like, apart from the characterization, though, I feel like. The rest of the book, they they got kind of pretty bang on. Like, it's not one of those rocket fast pace issue type things. It felt fast it, to me though. It, it still felt like well, I felt fast. Up. I think it's because of the fluidity of the art style. Yeah, the art style gave me the idea of being fast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but I felt like they're approaching this. They're approaching this thing, but it's not. Like I, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. Like I felt like there probably could have been there probably could have been more explanation, and I would have been okay with it. Like more explanation for certain characters' motives. Yeah. Even though the plot advanced quite mm-hmm. a bit, yeah, it didn't feel fast. Yeah. Because you're still left with sort of this this cliffhanger at the end, mm-hmm. which. Like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. I felt like 
if they were gonna go fast they should have just gone fast yeah if not they should have took a time to explain because issue two with an artist change it's a good chance to work on the characters yeah yeah i don't know to me like it almost felt like you could almost disregard issue one yeah you can kind of just start here yeah you could start at issue two yeah and you would be completely issue fine. one felt like an issue zero yeah yeah like it like an issue zero free comic book day everybody read it get on board all right issue yeah. two is kind of what we kickstart yeah you know like that that's kind of what i felt like issue one to be mm-hmm. not that you shouldn't go and read issue one go and read issue no, one for sure. obviously yeah. right uh but yeah if you were to start off with issue two i feel like you would like you would miss nothing yeah right like yeah. there were maybe like a few key things that happened yeah in issue one but if you missed them it was no big deal because like issue two felt like a completely different story yeah almost right yeah like they like they to me it almost felt like they brought that the the zanshi stuff from left field yeah right like and again i understand why they brought it in uh as a segue for john stewart later on into the issue which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. um but i felt like there's a better way they probably could have done it yeah yeah i think so i think so um why don't we touch up on the uh on the zanshi stuff right now because afterwards i'm going to get into a sort of an open discussion about something with you okay cool yeah so so john stewart Mm -hmm. becomes the first uh what would it would it be the first second i guess uh because sinestro shows up and he has wielded a new emotional spectrum he's the second one yeah yeah so he has wielded a new emotional power uh, on the invisible well it's a completely new spectrum a new spectrum yeah. yeah so it's the invisible spectrum hashtag ultraviolet spectrum ultraviolet so it's <laughs> he's part of the ultraviolet core okay uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, John Stewart becomes the second member of the ultraviolet core yeah so he goes and he attacks uh, he attacks the the league and basically declares that he's gonna go and kill them all yeah, he's got like these crazy tattoos now. Yeah. I, well, what that reminded me yeah. is the Indigo Tribe. Yes. And what I feel like this is, is an, is an extended version of the Indigo Tribe. So it's almost like the Indigo Tribe unleashed. Yeah. Right? But it's, all, it's also very... Like it's also very similar on the base level. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of the. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, not. I want to say rehashing because that sounds bad. Yeah. Because I do think this is a really cool idea that they're going with, but mm-hmm. I do think we're going to see a lot of the other core that we already know, but yeah. expanded upon. You know, given that there is no longer the limitation of the source wall. Yeah. Um. Here's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... I mean, I understand that with the breaking of the source wall, right. there's a whole lot of stuff that that uh, story writers and artists now can work with. Right. Right? Like, you said, they can essentially create stuff out of thin air and, yeah. and they use the source wall as an explanation and we would completely jive with it. Mm-hmm. Right? But the way that they explain the ultraviolet spectrum yeah 
it's like uh, what is it it's like hate bloodlust that's I'm, I'm just like yeah. those are things that people already experience yeah do you know what I mean like it's not like it's like a completely hidden emotional spectrum that like oh I've never felt bloodlust before yeah you know what I mean yeah no, I got that same thing when I read that so to me uh, I feel like this is one of those things like okay what can we do let's just throw it out on the table sort of thing right? <laughs> yeah 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 ultraviolet you got it done yeah, perfect yeah. Uh, not again not that I don't uh, enjoy the idea mm-hmm. of the ultraviolet corpse because they can really take this somewhere yeah right yeah uh, but I feel like introducing it at this point in the story there's just so many questions now yeah you know what i mean like and there's I, too many things going on yeah absolutely like you got and again we'll we'll go into later on in the issue uh in the into the podcast but now you've got what the totality can potentially do mm-hmm. uh, you've got the ultraviolet corpse going on and then you have john stewart's backstory with the martian manhunter and on zanshi mm-hmm. right then you got batman <laughs> and uh and hot girl yeah now minimized into their bodies which again we'll we'll talk about which is weird um <laughs> and, and then lex luther is thrown into that mix as well <laughs> yeah uh it, it, there's a lot going on right so to introduce like a brand new spectrum and that that spread was only like maybe th- two or three pages worth where they just talk about the ultraviolet spectrum yeah right yeah so, they, didn't, they didn't spend long on it yeah so is that something that they're gonna go into a little later is there going to be like a tie-in issue because this seems like a tie-in issue that that needs to happen in order to better explain uh the ultraviolet corpse in justice league without convoluting the main story too much mm-hmm. there, there needs to be more explanation yeah but that's how i feel about it well, because there, there's just too many things introduced at the same time. Yeah. And it's just... and That's I, what I'm saying. Like, this issue for me could have yeah. been more of an explanation. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like that's just a symptom of of the source wall being introduced. Yeah. Because now all these... Now the, uh, you know, writers want to want to write new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the source wall is, is a part of the DC universe, right? So I think it's just a symptom of that. Okay. Where everybody just wants to just come up with brand new creative stuff to to write on, right? Which yeah. I'm all for, yeah. right? Uh, but I think there just needs to be a, a, a bit more care yeah. um, in how those new things are delivered. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And some of the new things, like just sort of what you were talking about, Victor. Uh, bloodlust. Hate. Yeah. That's part of the Red Lantern core, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That, that those are like the things that Atrocitus like sort of harp on all that's the like time. That's like his thing. He's that's like, like that's, that's like him. literally bleeding as he's talking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all bleeding as yeah. they talk. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of that stuff is going to be revisited, but I feel like with the source wall being down, it is going to be magnified. And I and I think that's what we're kind of seeing here with the different spectrum. It's not so much a spectrum. It's not so much a new spectrum, but it's a spectrum beyond what you can see. Yeah. Sort of like sort of like going beyond what your naked eye can perceive. Right. So you perceive these 
initial colors mm-hmm. but now you're going beyond but it's still part of the same spectrum but you're now going beyond the capability so you're thinking it's like a much more specific version of the emotional spectrum that exists yes so 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 essentially if you have if you have the emotional emotional spectrum lined up in front of you yeah just from left to right all the colors Mm -hmm. that is what you can perceive i'm thinking the way the story goes is it's essentially taking off that filter right and it's saying now look beyond them Mm -hmm. still the same line of sight still the same path still you know, from rage down to whatever, to bloodlust, to hate or whatever. But yeah. you are now going deeper and deeper into these emotions to to things beyond what you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where you're getting at with, you know, that's where you're going to get at with Ultraviolet. Yeah. It is like the extension of the Indigo Tribe. Mm-hmm. And also, the Indigo Tribe, they're known to have brainwashed their members into doing certain things, mm-hmm. right? So th- this isn't really too far-fetched in terms of thinking these are something sort of a similar on a similar level right right so that's kind of where i think this is going mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm all for it i just don't know if a justice league book talking about the totality and the breaking of the source wall is the place to introduce it i feel yeah. like the concept of that will be so big that you're going you're going to almost need to just touch on it and then just run it with like a, with a with like a spinoff book. It needs another it, like spinoff into a, a another Green Lantern type book. Yeah, it needs to be another like Blackest Night type event sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, right? because it, it's going to touch on way too many things, and it's going to go all across the DC universe, which is great. I love seeing universe wide stuff, but yeah, I don't. I just don't know if that can be resolved at the same time as a totality. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, there. There's likely, I mean, I see a tie-in issue happening, mm-hmm. uh, just because. I mean, like the emotional spectrum in Green Lanterns as a whole is is it's a very it's a it's popular. Yeah. Right. So I see people, you know, despite how confusing it may seem, I see people taking this, like taking onto this, um, and then writers obviously um, doing tie-ins or, or spin-off issues of. Um, the ultraviolet uh, corpse. Mm-hmm. So we'll just see. I mean, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, Scott's a great writer, so like, I don't imagine that. Yeah. No, there's gonna there's there's a grander plan at hand. Of course. It's just the reveal. The reveal is gonna be pretty delicate. Yeah. Because you you gotta sort of tackle the issues all at once. Like you gotta tackle the different storylines and the different themes all together. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be a bit of a tough balancing act but mm-hmm. if anyone could do it it's scott yeah so. of course 100 yeah. yeah okay so uh the one thing i wanted to talk to you about and it's kind of a theme that i think branches off into both the books that we're talking about today mm-hmm. um is is the be- it's the idea of belief and the idea of of belief and faith with or without evidence mm. the idea of belief with or without evidence okay so so far in the justice league book uh, it's built on this belief that the totality is a positive to the multiverse. It could be a positive and it could be an answer to the multiverse. Well, half of them believe it. Half of them believe it. Yeah. But despite the evidence from Martian Manhunter, which he witnessed himself, mm-hmm. right? There's still the sort of hope and belief that it could be positive and it should be explored. Yeah. Right? Um, 
whether or not whether or not you go and pick up or you go and receive evidence of this thing being good or bad mm-hmm. the idea is that the heroes are using faith and using their beliefs to sort of guide their action towards wanting to make the multiverse better yeah. and therefore accepting the totality right um so what what do you think like if, if given your stance like if you were on the league mm-hmm. given what you know how would you accept the totality i think it's a it's it's at least worth exploring do you know what I mean? Because if the universe is doomed anyway, what do you have to lose? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, okay, so if this totality ends up being something that's absolutely catastrophic and devastating, universe ends immediately uh, once you try and explore it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the universe is dying anyway. So I think it's at least worth exploring. Okay. Because given what I know, there's no other option at this point in time. Right. Right. So I I would be for at least believing that there's a chance it could help save the universe. Right. Okay. That would be my stance. Yeah. See, and that's like, to me, that's interesting because there is no right or wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially in this situation, um, based on what we saw in the first issue mm-hmm. as well. The, some of the League, when they see stuff like this, they're like, "We oh, I know these like sort of uh, this sort of like supreme being type stuff. Mm-hmm. This like godlike power and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That can just, that cannot be good. Yeah. So we have to find a way to destroy it because we know the type of things that would do to mankind. Right. But that is just as valid as the next person who have not experienced it saying this is our hope to save the multiverse because this can grant us powers beyond our beyond what we believe to be a you know possible and it could provide us with solutions to our current problems so it's interesting that regardless of how you come across your belief in the evidence that you collected Mm -hmm. it's all considered valid yeah right well belief is just perspective right belief is perspective and a collection of personal experiences Mm -hmm. right Whatever you believe in or whatever anybody else believes in, I can't say it's wrong. Right. Right. As as much as I, I could disagree with it, it's not wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you're gonna believe in what you're gonna believe in. In this case, I mean, it, you had you had league members that were sitting on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Right? And then they just collectively came together and go, ah, screw it. We're just, gonna, <laughs> we're just going to explore. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, in a situation like this where there's no other option, like, what are you, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. I think I may have said something a little differently in the last episode. Uh, but I, after reading this issue, it's just like, yeah, no other choice. <laughs> yeah. There's no other choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, th- yeah, I think last week we touched upon, maybe destroying it because yeah. there's like a there's like a potential chance that it will like end the multiverse as we yeah. know it yeah yeah but it's all that stuff can change yeah right and that's what makes it so so interesting because it is never set in stone and therefore belief is really just based on 
your experience, your your recollection of things that have happened. Yeah, you know that help guide your decision. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're gonna touch more upon that, uh, sort of in our second book. Yes, uh, because it plays a heavier theme into the second book. Absolutely, but I find it interesting that it it also plays into the overarching idea of Justice League as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to kind of bring it up yeah. for that book. Of course, right? So. Now that we sort of preface it a little bit, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Gideon's Falls. Gideon Falls, number four. Yes. Um, so Gideon Falls is, oh, where's my notes? There it is. <laughs> it is written by Jeff Lemire with art done by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters done by Steve Wands. So this book, just, you know, a quick summary. What do you, what do you think at first glance? Oh, I thought this was a super good issue. Right? So good. It. it oh, I mean, we're gonna talk about it, but <laughs> but I I was, I was so in love with this issue, only because like now everything is starting to come together. Yeah. Right. Like you've got you've got three issues, of very seemingly separate stories mm-hmm. from from two main characters. Right. Yeah. Um, and now. This is the first issue where we're now seeing it come together, yeah. even even if it was just for a moment. Yeah, um, and that is a very exciting revelation to me. Yeah, right, because now that tells me that for sure they're all interconnected in some way. Yeah, how they're interconnected again, we have yet to see, um, but there's definitely something paranormal happening. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent happening. Yeah, right? what about you, Jerry? What did you think? I I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, there were parts. Mm-hmm. Artistically, I thought there were parts that were a little strange when I first saw it. Okay. And I was a little confused right. by what it was trying to depict. Right. But I think all in all, it was the the overall book itself was really nice. It was well illustrated. Yeah. Um, the coloring was really done well yeah. as well. The important parts were were well illustrated by the the color red. Yeah, you know that we've always thought that was like sort of the overarching mm-hmm. color to the to the to the story. Yeah, there was the one sequence which was a little odd. Which one was that? Um, where where Doctor Shu first saw the red, saw the black barn with the red in the mm-hmm. mirror. Mm-hmm. She freaks out. Then she looks back, and the character something happens to the character. I didn't know something happened to that character. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the same character that saw Doctor Shu. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, well, to you me, it didn't seem like a one-way mirror. Yeah. To me, it felt like a window, mm-hmm. and I felt like Doctor Shu saw something, and yeah. and that person reacted to her, and yeah. that person came at her. Yeah. Right. So, and and the the panel after that was really cool. I think it was really well laid out. Yeah. But it was a little confusing because I what because of that perception going in, mm-hmm. I read that that sort of that double page spread with like all the action, the things that are happening. Yeah, and it confused me. I had no idea what was happening to her. Yeah, I feel like that's that could be by intent, mm-hmm. and I could that could be just the effect he's going for. Yeah, but I, w- I was a little confused, and um, I, I don't think I fully received what he was trying to tell me. I think it. it I think it was just simply telling you that these that these two stories are connected now. That was just uh, Jeff's way of telling you that these two stories are connected. Right. Right. Um, 
I I knew right away that it was sort of like a one way mirror sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she just freaked out. She just freaked freaked the heck out. Yeah. Right. Um, and and just that that sequence of oh, oh so good. Just the, <laughs> just just the, the the way that it's illustrated. Yeah. Because it, it may seem confusing, but it's also symbolic. The artwork is very symbolic. Right. In in the way that the that the characters are placed and, and, and where the lines are drawn, everything symbolizes something. Right. And this issue was so good for that. Right. Uh, even afterwards, when, um, when Dr. Shu uh, went to go meet up with, uh, uh, Nor, Nor- N- Norton, Norton. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to call him Norman. I always say Norman. Like I, I, I almost said Norman. Just yeah, I feel like just because Norman is just a, a much more common name than Norton. Yeah, but anyway, when she meets yeah. up with Norton, how does I she only meet? know Norton as an antivirus. So, oh, <laughs> Norton. <antivirus. laughs> the what what confused me is like, how the heck did she find him? Like, see, you, that was also the confusing yeah. part because I went into that, I went out of that sequence thinking something happened to her. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, she's hanging out in an alleyway, and then Norton shows up. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> like she probably knew he was gonna be there if that was the yeah. case. Um, but just just the way that that they drew that that sequence mm-hmm. it was so good I'm not sure if you noticed it but if if you go back and look yep uh, right after she uh, right after she meets up with him yeah uh, there's a there's a panel where um, they're clasping their hands and yep. Norton says it's gonna be okay yep right now to me this symbolizes a couple of things, right? The first, of course, is the red, right? Mm-hmm. We all know what that means by this point already. Um, but as well, the it's in the, the colors are inverted now, right? Yep. So now their environment is red, and and they're almost like the anomalies in that environment. Yeah. Right. So now. It's almost like their world is is about this black barn and what's happening now. Yeah, right? and it's almost like they can't escape it, right? Then the two characters being fully black in here, yeah. Uh, other than their clothes, uh, which is like just shades of gray. Yeah, the fact that the colors, like the fact that the characters no longer, it's just full shadow now. Yeah, to me symbolizes the fact that they've now just blended into this world. Yeah, they're a part of this they're, world. Yeah. Their significance to the world is is dimming. Yeah. Because they're just a part of it now. They've fallen into the trap. Yeah. Right? They've fallen into this thing. Yeah. This mystery. And and it's and it's foreshadowing because it, it it's also telling that these characters something is going to happen to them. Yeah. Right? Because I'm not sure if you notice either, but now when you when you scale back and you look at the bigger picture, Norton and Dr. Shu with their hands clasped together, they're forming a skull. Yep. So with their heads, with their heads, yeah. yeah. So does that, yeah? So is it foreshadowing a death of one of them, of somebody? Perhaps it would. It's foreshadowing, or leading to the death that we see later on in the issue, right? There's yeah. so many things going on that, yeah, that this could symbolize. In I feel like this could symbolize the death that we see later on, yeah. But at the same time, I don't feel like the payoff would happen that quick. So to me, one of these two characters are doomed. Well, it can't be Norton. I mean, you, you never know. I, yeah, you, you never, you never know, know. But I've read comics where like the main character bites it like four issues in. Yeah, yeah. 
and that's great because you never see it coming. Yeah. But I think in this in this situation, you might be right. Like I don't think it can be Norton because Norton has to be sort of the piece to put it all together. Yeah. But I think it could be Doctor Shu. Doctor Shu would probably bite the bullet at some point. Oh, that's sad. Because she's now pulled into this whirlwind of a situation that she didn't need to be a part of. Yeah. Right? Because the thing is, I would prefer that to not be the case. Okay. Because now Dr. Shu is in it with Norton and them together can now help us piece the, the story together a bit better. Yeah. Right? Because it's now it's now they're putting their two heads together to help solve this mystery for us. Right. Right? Okay. Um, but again, I, I mean, if if Doctor Shu is gone and we're just left with Norton, mm-hmm. uh, to me, there, there's, there's now there's no catalyst between the solution and Norton. If that makes any sense, right? Okay. Because I feel like Norton needs somebody there with him in order to help move the story a little bit more forward. Okay. Right. Because Norton's been doing the same thing, as far as we know, which is just collecting pieces mm-hmm. and. We saw how far that got him and didn't really get him any answers. Yeah. Right? Until he met Dr. Shu. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that they keep them together at least for the next little while. Yeah. Um, just so that we as readers can get can get more answers. Yeah. Right? Because we're looking forward to them now to help, to help give those answers to us. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, <clears throat> I don't think... Like I feel like with with Norton and Doctor Shu, mm-hmm. it would be nice to see them tackle the situation together. It would be yeah. nice to see what would come of it. Yeah. But at the end, to me, and that's kind of the um, the theme I wanted to touch on for this book as well. Yeah. To me, the story isn't about them figuring out the mystery. Okay. To me, it's an understanding for Norton that there's something greater at play. Mm. That. He needs to pursue his belief of this thing that's happening with or without other people's consent or agreement. Right. So for me, it doesn't matter if Dr. Shu is there. He's going to continue to pursue it. And ultimately, this is a story about him coming to the full realization of what this mystery is. Yeah. Right? And whether or not there's people along the way with him, I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. Because this is this is about him. Yeah. But not just finding out the mystery, but the journey. I guess so. But I feel like if Dr. <laughs> Shu's involved the whole way, the, the delivery and the package uh, of that journey is just a little bit more cleaner. Right? Yeah. Because the thing but is, I don't think the I don't think the idea is to be clean with it. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So we see this theme sort of uh, played out in multiple parts in this in this book, yeah. particularly this issue. Yeah. So from the very beginning, Doc Sutton sort of goes on this like rant about this war that's coming. Well, he did that from the last issue. Yeah, he yeah, keeps yeah. ranting here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's talking about this war that's coming. He says that he's part of the part of the Plowman. Mm-hmm. That was like this group dedicated to defeating the Black Barn. Right. They believe Black Barn to be this entity. Yeah. Right. But an interesting reveal happens when. Uh, when Father Fred sort of asks him, like, have you seen this thing? Yeah. And he's like, well, no, but based on what I believe I know, like, we believe this thing to be evil and we we have to prevent it. But he has never seen this thing. Mm -hmm. So it brings about this interesting point about, and it's kind of reflected in Father Fred as well. Yeah. But 
I don't know. It, it creates this interesting parallel. So the idea is faith and whether or not that's a that's just belief without evidence. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote from Richard Dawkins. <clears throat> and for those of you who don't know Richard Dawkins, a little controversial to some, I suppose. Um, he's an evolutionary biologist and he's mm-hmm. an author. Yep. And uh, he's, he's a pretty famous atheist. Mm-hmm. So he had a quote, which is, and he has many quotes, but he had a quote, <laughs> which is, uh, faith is belief without evidence and reason. Coincidentally, that's also the definition of delusion. Mm. Now, this touches on some like murky waters. Yeah. And it touches on some like kind of like a sensitive subject. But I feel like it's it matters here. It does. It matters here because it is directly what they're speaking of. Mm-hmm. So, faith argued from the other side is that faith is not so much the definition of it is not so much in its conventional sense but it's rather just trusting something uh, in which you have good reason to believe is true yeah Um, that definition is based on a philosopher uh, named William Lane Craig so the evidence that can be present uh, they're not necessarily based on physical evidence uh, or physical presence of the evidence but it's based on things that can take place in the heart and spirit and the soul of an individual. Mm-hmm. So it's it could be based on spiritual experiences. Yeah. It could be based on uh, things that are happening around the world that is essentially becoming a part of their life, yeah. uh, a part of their definition of everyday life, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be evidence that are physically present or or evidence that you can touch or see or you know stuff like that. But it could be just something felt in the heart because mm-hmm. you believe it to be true yeah. and it gives you good reason to believe it to be true mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of things that happen such as like you sort of have like this coming to moment or you uh, you 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 were going to be in a dangerous situation and you were saved and stuff like that like all of these could be perceived as yeah. spiritual experiences with God mm-hmm. so here it's interesting because Father Fred is essentially is essentially pointing out to Doc Sunday like you're kind of delusional. Yeah. You're kind of crazy. Like, I, I'm not here to listen to your fiction. Yeah. Like you you gotta give me evidence. Yeah. Right. But it's it's sort of it's interesting coming from Father it's ironic, Fred, right? Because when you really think about it, Father Fred and and Doc Sutton are polar opposites of each other, mm-hmm. right? Father Father Fred is a man of faith. Who's seen the barn, but doesn't believe in in the in the things that surround right. it. Yeah. However, Doctor Sun uh, is a man of science who hasn't seen the barn, but believes in all the things that yeah. that surround the barn. Yeah, which is like they're complete opposites, right? Yeah. Uh, so to me, that that was a very um, interesting interaction between yeah. the two. Right, and to me that for, to me that type of interaction further validates the idea of faith, not just being. Uh, belief without evidence because yeah. the because people of faith like men men of faith mm-hmm. or women of faith they they do truly believe and they true and they do have that sort of spiritual experiences that yeah. really guide them in their everyday lives yeah and they believe this to be real and they have every good reason to believe it to be real mm-hmm. and I think that's sort of the guiding fact for these characters as well thinking. We got to get some of these real, we got to get some real evidence about this black barn because yeah. if this is real, then we need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. But it can't be just like, you know, sort of like this delusion 
uh, that are brought up by just reading some newspaper articles. Yeah. You know? And I think it's a really interesting development and it's a good look at sort of it's a good look at sort of this like sort of common misconception of what you believe men of faith to be. Yeah. And it's really shining a different light on them that no, this is truly what they believe in because mm-hmm. they have proper evidence backing it up. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. a it's a it's a interesting look. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like a little off topic as well. Mm-hmm. Not off topic, similar. Uh, when you look at the... Again, I'm going to go back to the artwork on this because this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go back to uh, the page where he's talking about the plowman, uh, you obviously have the cross in the middle and then um, all these different uh, panels surrounding that cross, right? Uh, which to me symbolizes a lot of things that are happening. Like obviously he's trying to explain to Father Fred what's going on here right right and then you keep going on and the the lines turn into almost like circles right and you keep going page to page and then the circles get smaller and smaller as uh father fred goes further and further into disbelief right of what's happening with the barn and then these circles get smaller and smaller and smaller until all of a sudden doc Sutton's left alone by himself in the smallest circle Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So to me, that was that's, that's crazy symbolism. Yeah. Right. Because Doc's son was excited to talk to Father Fred about this. Yeah. Right. At the biggest circle, and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as he gets more and more ignored, and then he's just by himself again, alone with all this evidence. Mm-hmm. Right. So he back to square one again. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> and it's sort of like closing this window of opportunity, closing this yeah. door on him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I think symbolism has never been a thing that has failed us in this book. Yes. This this book is just, it's ripe with symbolism, just right with... Full of it. Yeah, re- references and all that stuff. And yeah. it's... And I think the use of color from the very get-go of this story, uh, very get-go of this series has always been a sort of a tertiary character that is present in the story. Yeah. And it's telling because now when we see it, and we sort of noticed that from the beginning too, now when we see the use of color, we have a different perspective. Like we we sort of already can inject what we believe to be true or what mm-hmm. we believe to may happen mm-hmm. to some of these characters or to some of the story. So I, I think it's good that they've established that early, and now it's just be, it's just the character at play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These characters are uh, <laughs> turning out to be something spicy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and uh, and it's interesting. The parallel. Um, so okay, we have Doc Sutton and mm-hmm. we have Father Fred mm-hmm. on one side, and mm-hmm. then we have Norton and Doctor Shu on the other side. Mm-hmm. The parallel from these two sides. Can, can really be seen in this issue yeah from one side Doc, Doc Sutton has no real evidence he has just what he believes to be real good reasons to, for him to believe it is real yeah but Father Fred doesn't buy it mm-hmm. right Father Fred wants real evidence he doesn't buy it yeah on the other side you have you have Dr. Shu and you have Norton mm-hmm. where Norton is the one that hasn't really seen it but it's just it's it's well it's like it's kind of coming to him in his dream and stuff like that and he has these drawings and he has like pieces that he's picking up from the world that he believes to be a part of this grander theme yeah 
And Dr. Shu now has experienced it. Mm-hmm. And for her, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Like she's experienced it. And now she's coming to Norton for help. Yeah. So it's it's kind of an opposite on this side of the spectrum as well. Yeah. Not just between the characteristics of Father Fred and Doc Sutton, mm-hmm. but it's actually opposite from the two sides as well. Yeah. You know, so between the two groups of people, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting too. Yeah. It adds for um, definitely a lot more room for uh, for character development for sure. Yeah. Right? It's always good to experience... Um, two sets of different characters mm-hmm. in, uh, in in the way that uh, that Jeff has written it yeah right uh, it's not something that quite frankly you see too often yeah for sure right so it's, sure. it's really good to see it yeah it's refreshing yeah, yeah so yeah I mean like I think that pretty much covers what we were going to talk about for the book mm-hmm. um, oh let's get into one thing real quick okay the thing that happened at the end oh. so again this is spoilers yes but uh, it's just, you know be warned that thing that happens at the end, mm-hmm. what did you think of? What did you make of it? Uh, well, first, when I first saw it, I was just like, oh, okay, this is exactly what Dr. Shu witnessed in the mirror. Yeah, okay. Because was, was, um, uh, it, it was the... Um, what, what was his name? Joe Reddy? Yeah, it was Joe Reddy getting killed by, by Deputy Ballard, right? Or was it the other way around? Or was it... I, I, I don't know. No, no, no. It was Joe killing the deputy it was Joe killing the deputy okay yeah yeah see now I recognize yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe <laughs> it was Joe killing, killing the deputy and that Joe was basically well Joe told the other girl to to call for the sheriff right yeah yeah because now that I think about it he says I've been waiting for you it makes sense because he invited the father to his house yeah right yeah. Uh, but yeah this is what Dr. Shu witnessed and then this, the second thing I thought about was what does this have to do with the barn <laughs> yeah yeah, because clearly this has something to do with the barn. Yeah, right. Um, now the question is: Has Joe witnessed the barn, and is this his reaction to witnessing it? So maybe, yeah, maybe he's seen something. Yeah. See, I don't this know, is man. like this is, <laughs> this is very this is like super cliffhanger territory. I think so. I think so. And I think this is when when I first saw it I was like okay. The, well, especially this frame. Um this uh, well this page essentially yeah. this full page. Yeah. Um this page where he basically kills him, yeah. hangs him upside down from the air, you know, puddle of blood and on the bleeds ground. Bleeds him out, yeah. Bleeds him out and in the background is just red. Yeah. So they're in the barn. Right. So well, they're even from the couple pages before, like they go into the house, right? Yeah. And you can actually see the house has a red door. Yes. Like if you go a couple pages with the house, yeah, yeah, red yeah. door. Yeah, yeah. So it's already symbolizing they're entering something. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> so a couple minutes ago, I said that it basically covers everything we want to talk about the book. It clearly does not. No. <laughs> this is <laughs> very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so they go into the house. The house is, you know, regular. And then the outside sky is regular. And yeah. then they get to the panel that middle panel there where all of a sudden you see the outside being red yeah and then they see and witness this thing happening and the outside is red they're in the barn yeah to me it feels like they're in the barn it looks like it yeah for me it harks back to the thing I, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago well it would have been weeks ago now mm-hmm. maybe a couple months now that the idea of the barn is your is your sort of inner evil yeah your inner evil or witnessing evil. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's like the idea that you will only see it if there is a sin or if there is an evil yeah. present, mm-hmm. whether that's yourself or someone else or whatever. Yeah, that's that's why you can see the barn, and that's why the normal ordinary people outside don't see the barn. Yeah, and there's a very specific reason certain people are seeing the barn. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to think maybe some of these people have sort of this sort of a past to them, right? That may be allowing them to see this barn. Maybe. I think it's it's heavily implied when Dr. Shu was reading through Norton's past. Yeah. Right? So, uh, I mean, there could be some validity to that point, right? Yeah. Uh, but we'll just have to see. You know, that's, <laughs> that's one of our... Uh, that's one of the... Uh, one of our theories. Theories. The ongoing chain of theories for Gideon Falls. Yeah. <laughs> which we continue to make and then continue to be shattered. Uh, but we will continue to make theories on every episode involving... Getting That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so now I think we've pretty much covered what we wanted to cover on Gideon Falls. Yes. Victor, this book is so good. It's so good. It's so good. I cannot praise the book enough. It's so good. Mm-hmm. The art style is perfect. The coloring yeah. is perfect. Everything. The storytelling, the pacing, this is the exact time it needed to ramp up, and it did. Yeah. And I think everything is starting to come together there's going to yeah. be maybe like two issues left in that first arc yeah maybe next issue maybe two more issues yeah and i think it's a good way to wrap up that first arc yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah so uh we're gonna wrap up the comic segment and we're gonna go into what we like to call uh offerings dark side segment where we tell you something that we're enjoying and we're hoping that you enjoy it too so here we go offerings to dark side offerings to dark side and we're at the Offerings to Dark Side segment. In this segment, what we normally do is we take something outside of the world of comics and outside of the world of coffee, something that we enjoy that we wanted to share with you, our listeners, and uh, we hope you'll enjoy it as well. We hope you, you'll enjoy it as much as we do. Uh, this week, we're going to keep it relatively the same. We're going to let Victor go first because he, Victor loves to go first. He has just something he really wants to share with everyone. Why even bother prefacing that if I'm and, just going to uh, go first every week anyway? Listen. Like, why? I'm just letting like, the suspense build. There's no suspense. Let, everyone knows I'm going first at this but point. But what if one day I hit you off guard and I go first? Then at that point, you can explain it. Okay, well, it's too late now for that. <laughs> uh, so you can go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, so- Victor. What do you got this week? All right, Jerry. So my offering this week is a YouTube channel called Life Noggin. That's L-I-F-E-N-O-G-G-I-N. Okay. All right. A really cool channel. So yep. they do uh, little short videos, like somewhere between three and five minutes. Okay. Um, and they just uh, do little animated shorts to answer questions. Like say, okay. for example, uh, what would it take for the earth to explode? Uh, what happens if you drink mercury? What would happen if you were allergic to water? Right. So obviously they have their team that does their research and, and animate it and uh, you just watch it and, and absorb the knowledge obviously that's pretty cool right? actually yeah it, it's really cool it's just like little little quick facts yeah right and uh, uh, the the animation is really well done as simple as it may be um, and they obviously do a really good job of illustrating the answers to these questions uh, they have a lead little mascot character called Blocko Okay. Uh, which I think is uh, what keeps me coming back. I love Blocko. Is he a block? 
he's a block. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so again, the YouTube channel is Life Noggin, L-I-F-E-N-O-G-G-I-N. Yep. Uh, go check it out. Cool. All right. Okay. I'll probably give that a try. What you got, Jerry? Uh, so I got this week uh, as a TV show on Netflix. Okay. We recently started watching it. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really fun. We're about halfway through season one. It's okay. really fun. It's called Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, love that show. You've watched it? Yeah, I watched uh, all of the first season when it came out. Right. Uh, I just finished watching the second season, and I'm about to start the third season. It's so good. It's so good. You know what? I love Ellie Kemper as an actress. Yeah. She is, as an as a, com- a comedic actress, she's up there, man. Yeah. She's yeah, absolutely, absolutely up absolutely. there. And I didn't recognize this at first, but she was in The Office. Yeah. Yeah. She was Aaron yeah. on The Office. I completely forgot. She was hilarious on The Office. I love oh, it. Oh, yeah. And now, like, I, we just came across the show because we recently just got caught up on uh, and finished Arrested uh, Development. Okay. So this thing popped up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to check it out. It's so funny. It's so and it's, funny. And it, and it helps that, like, Tina Fey, like, kind of wrote it along with, like, other, yeah. you know, other writers, like, yeah. other good writers. Yeah. And just... Her brand of comedy is just top notch. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Tina Fey, I think Robert Carlock also helped. Um, also was a writer on it. Allison Silverman, Sammy, you know, a bunch more people. Yeah, just really fun stuff. And the the characters are all so they're all so lively. They're all different, mm-hmm. and the positivity that comes from the show, it just like. It's just it's just laugh out loud funny stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, so funny. I, I love how um, how out of touch uh, Kimmy Schmidt is from the rest of the world, and the yeah. questions that she asks, <laughs> it, it just <laughs> like you'll you'll come across this. It's a little spoilerish, but not really. Uh, so Tina Fey will have a character moving forward in the show. She plays someone, right? Yeah, yeah. and um, her character is Italian. So then she tells uh, Kimmy Schmidt, and then Kimmy goes, "Oh, you're Italian. Answer me this question. They're the Mario brothers, right? <laughs> but his name is Mario. So is his name Mario Mario, or is like, <laughs> just random questions like that? That just it it, it gets me through the roof, man. <laughs> Love Ellie Kemper as an actress. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's really good in this show. Yeah, she's really good in this show." And uh, the the character that plays Titus, he's hilarious too. He's funny him. too. He's yeah, so funny. He's funny. I, uh, I watched a few of his interviews. He's really hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We we just watched an episode where he's uh he went to audition for the Spider Men, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the end, the credits part. Yeah, he starts singing Spider Men. Yeah, in the credits, it is so funny. <laughs> You you have to hear it. You have to watch the episode. We have to get to that point. Watch the episodes, and you gotta you gotta hear that song to to know how funny it is. This yeah, song is so hilarious. But <laughs> just, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's so funny. It's such a good show. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You should definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. I believe there's four seasons right now. Yeah. Um, no, it was probably three full seasons. I think season four just started. Just started. Just yeah, started. yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you would you should definitely check out the show. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that pretty much covers our offerings to Dark Side. I think it so does. So let us know. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of these things. And uh, if you've checked out any of our previous offerings and you like them, be sure to let us know uh, through email. Contact at darkroadcomics.com. So 
Thank you for tuning into the episode, and we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and officially now, starting today, Spotify. Spotify. Please also remember to rate and leave us a review if you have some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you have a book you want us to discuss on the show, uh, send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, uh, twitter.com slash geeky for myself, and twitter.com slash victorjyoung for my co-host Victor. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you want to be a part of the community, join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, take care. Justice is a dish best served cold. Okay. <laughs> yep. Cue out. Cue out. <laughs>